Go, go, go! Do, 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 do. I thought that there'd be almost like no chance that this new glass would beat our workhorse. It, I mean, it's the same glass virtually. Yeah, I just thought. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm feeling the way I am. It's, you know, it's that nostalgia thing, right? Because. We've been drinking from this guy for what seven years, six years, and we still will drink from this guy because, yeah. <laughs> like I said, there will be situations these four will get these, dirty. Yeah. yeah, but it's true that we haven't done a show without these guys for like seven years, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. once we found these these glasses, we stuck to them. Yes, we except in in. Dire circumstances, I suppose. Like when we, have we ever done a show where we haven't done like we were at a, at a bar or something we had to use? I mean, the Tommy Arthur one was probably in. But we Shaker brought Points. these, didn't oh, we? Oh, we did. Yes, yeah. yeah, because we knew. Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing like the first couple episodes are done in Shaker Pines. The first couple. Like zero point nine and one and two. Well, and yeah, three. yeah, for, for those yeah. for sure. But I'm saying once we once we started with these, we we didn't stop. I mean, so I remember I had those dogfish nifters. Remember those? Yes, yeah. And those were kind of the show glass until we found these. Okay, yeah. Which we did use. We did use a variety of different. Glasses. I think they're. I think they're Libby, but I'm not sure. But <laughs> I mean, I have a pair of dogfish head. There were plenty of shows where, where we used shaker pints before we settled on this one. That'd be, that'd be curious to figure out, like, when... Because I know there was a point where we used those dogfish glasses. Yeah, but I, I think we used them for, like, specific occasions. Like, when we had a bunch of barrel age or barrel, barley wine. Like we, we wanted to we wanted to mm. catch aromas. I'm pretty sure. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not positive, I, but I, I, did, think, I did live I think, it. I, think once, I did live it, so there is something there. <laughs> I think once we figured out that those were... I mean, that was the glass until we found Spilo. Okay. I, I don't remember. We also us had being we also as, had those those modded snifters. Yeah, but I don't remember us nice, being as as like stressing to using these glass. I think there were some times where we just used snifters sometimes we snifters sometimes we just used regular old shaker pines. And once we found these glasses, once we committed to these glasses, we we committed fully. I so know that much. I recall an era where it was either the dogfish glass or the modded glass. I know for a fact we've done shows in pine, in in, in shaker pines. That might have been earlier. Earlier, yeah, very yeah. early shows. But I know for a fact we have done shows in shaker pines. And there's certainly been shows where we haven't mentioned the, where we haven't. I mean, we did some shows where we haven't mentioned the glass just recently. But I'm mean, mm-hmm. there, there are shows where we didn't make an express point to talk about the difference in the glassware because we were stupid. Well, we, we we need to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want some of this Goose Island? Not right now. No? Okay. I'm going to keep it corked, just so this, you know, since it's my birthday beer. Yeah. If you don't want some, I mean, if you want some, I will open it. 
but I'm not going to open it. For... <laughs> Frankly, I'm fine. We we did a lot of talking and stuff on, on on the on the pre-show about stuff, so I don't know how much more there is. There's we did a little bit of of, of look at the interstate thing after. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, and, and it turns out that there is sort of a number basis. Let me see if I can find well, that. Well, like what you found was like there used to be a more definitive, like yes. detailed number basis, right. and then like the most recent information yeah. is like they dropped a bunch of right. the details. The things I was talking about were like some numbers mean spurs, yes. And other numbers mean beltways, and other numbers mean expressways. Not as definitive anymore. So here's what I found. I, I, I mentioned the, the, the stuff that I found here. This is actually on, on a, a post on everything2.com. Uh, the two is a number. Uh, and this is a, a post that was made in April 24th, 20... Oh, 20-aught-aught uh, by Ed Halley. So this is a really old post. This is a 17 or a 16 year, 16 plus year old post. But he says, off the top of my head, I write this. If I find a specific, official specific information, I'll amend it. As a trend, though, probably not strictly adhered anymore. Major interstates have two digits, which we talked about. Even numbers, east-west, odd is north-south, which we talked about. Those still are the same. And then here are the other things that are eh, iffy. Uh, first of all, 100 digits makes a local sister highway. And that, as far as we know, is true. 100 digits of one is a local spur into a city. A hundredth digit of two is an express through a city. A hundredth, a hundredth digit of three is a bypass between highways. A hundredth digit of four is an express around the city. So I was thinking 495, mm-hmm. that'd be sort of a beltway. A uh, hundredth city digit of five is a local spur into a city. A hundredth digit of six is a wide bypass around the metropolitan region, which is the same as a hundredth digit of seven. A wide bypass around a metropolitan region. So, and a hundred digit of eight is an express through a metropolitan region. So, you know, we're from Pittsburgh. So, what we recognize the most is the two for two seventy nine makes sense. Express through the city mm-hmm. really doesn't slow down except for bridges and tunnels and right. stuff like that. The three we have a three we have three seventy six, which is a, actually a connector between the turnpike. 76 and Interstate 79. I mean, sure, they do intersect directly as well. And the 376 goes through the city. Just like two that's seven. that's that's coincidental compared to it connecting. If you wanted to get from uh, New Stanton to Washington, Pennsylvania, your shortest route would be turnpike. Oh, maybe you or actually, so <laughs> that's a bad example because you could take Interstate 70 and it yeah. would be shorter. But it, it connects 376 connects from the Turnpike to 79 in a more direct route than taking 376 to 79 and then heading south. Okay, um, but then we have 576, <laughs> which is like this. It's, it's almost like an interstate you mentioned by your house. Which is like this, like two seventy. Which is, um, but no, you mentioned that when you were growing yeah. up, there was this short little interstate that was just like three miles long, right? Two seventy nine. No, 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 because it was two seventy five. Two ninety five. Two ni- three seventy. 
I don't know. So we have 579, which actually branches off of 279 and then goes like to a bridge and mm-hmm. then like stops right there. So we have that short little You're saying spur. 270 was the big one, was the one I always drove on. Okay. But 376. No, that's not right. No, it'd be a 70. It'd be 370 or 470 or 570 or 670. I don't know which one you're talking about. But we have 279, and then 579 is a spur off of 279, which is not handled by this highway administration thing. Mm-hmm. We have 376, but we don't have any beltway well, in anything Pittsburgh. Anything that's labeled interstate is, is handled by the highway administration. Yeah. We don't have any beltway in Pittsburgh, so no. we don't have any 495 like you have in D.C. Right. But there's one in like Atlanta, there's one mm-hmm. in probably L.A., I think. Places that are flat have beltways. Pittsburgh can't yeah. really do a beltway. So then there was a post by uh, Zimenex with an X. Or Zimenez with an X to start with. Uh, where he says, this is, paste, this is posted from uh, FHWA.gov uh, from the Federal Highway Administration. This is just inform- this. This is so. The other stuff was just like was more specific, and this is much less specific. Mm-hmm. Interstate highways with three-digit numbers connect to other major highways. If the first of the three digits is an even number, the highway usually connects to another interstate at both ends. Notice it says usually, so not always. Usually connects to another interstate at both ends, often in a circular beltway or a loop. If the first of the three digits is an odd number, the highway is usually a spur that connects with an interstate at only one end, sometimes going into a city center. So that's all the information the Federal Highway Administration gives. That also reconciles with Pittsburgh, except for 376, which it does go into Pittsburgh, but it also connects up to another highway, which the previous definition... Was describing. To, and now I have to remember what the, what that. Now I have to like look it up. What's that? <laughs> what what the uh, highway is around where I used to live. Oh, right? The... right. So the other thing we haven't mentioned about highway since we're talking about this ad nauseum is that it goes from northeast to southwest, right? So, or no, no, it goes from southeast to northwest. So. If you have an even-numbered low tens highway, like say twenty-two, it's going to be in the southern part of the United States. And if you have, it's going to go east-west. Mm-hmm. And if you have twenty-one, it's going to be in the eastern part of the United States, going north-south. And if you're going to have ninety-nine, it's going to be up near Seattle, Washington, going north-south. And 98 is going to be up near Seattle going east-west. It is 370. Thank you. 370. So you can also... Again, we were talking about how... uh, So early in the pre-show, we talked about how root numbers are just labels, not really numbers. But Mm -hmm. for the interstate system, they're actually encoding data in there. Mm -hmm. So if you're on 79 and you're in Pennsylvania and you want to get... To 89 or 99, you need to go. Oh, if you're on 79 and you want to go to 81 or 91 or 95, something like that, you're, you need to go east. east. 
Yeah, if you want to go to a lower number, if you want to go to 45, you're going to go west. So you can kind of use a there's a grid system as well. Mm-hmm. So say say time right, was in say time was we, actually we, we talked about this on, on the <coughs> without discussing it, but in California they call routes the right? they they preface mm-hmm. the with a number. So like the ten in at least in L.A. Uh, so when you hear some some uh, television show. You know it's wrote, it is written in L.A. If they talk about routes using the in front of it instead of mm-hmm. just calling it a route number like we do in other places. Right. So like the 10 or the – what else is in L.A.? The 405. The 405. Some of those are uh, U.S. routes as opposed to interstate routes. Some of those are state routes. Mm-hmm. but Roads. 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 Might be boring, but I, I I find it interesting. I mean, it is interesting how they decided to encode information into the numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's fascinating, and it may be... Well, may like, it's like we talked about at the end of, 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 the, of the post show, how there's, there's information there that we know because we're exposed to it. And, the, and, and even this information about encoding... Especially once you have it in your head, you don't have to think about it. It just sort of, you don't have to actively think about it. You don't have to do the process of thinking that we normally associate with quote unquote thinking. Now, uh, so here's something I'm going to Google as soon as I say it. But so you have interstate routes, which we've been talking about. But U.S. routes, the, one, the ones I'm thinking of, 1966, mm-hmm. Route 6. I think there's state. No, no, there's state, there's U.S. routes. Like, 19 is not Pennsylvania 19. Right, it's US yeah. 19. But 19 is north-south. 66 is east-west. 6 is east-west. So I, I'm going to Google right now whether that's a convention as well or okay, if can. the ones I'm thinking of just happen to meet the even-odd number convention. It is a small sample size. The chef who uh, I will jokingly say is not true, but I will jokingly say has never been outside of Pittsburgh. <laughs> such a dick. It's not true at all. Just been further away than I have. I've been to India. I've been, I've been to uh, Japan, but he's been to India. I think India would be further away than Japan. Um, yeah, I guess a little bit. I think so. Which way did you fly? You flew through California, right? I flew actually Pacific? to Chicago and then over Alaska. Oh, well, that was... That's a long flight. 15 hours. Because the... That's one of the longest on Earth, I think. Because Chicago to... I knew this. What's the longest flight on Earth? It's Chicago to... um, This was Chicago to Narita in Tokyo. Or outside of Your flight, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so my flight was... Let's see, on the way there... Oh, so on, I flew to two different airlines. On the way there, I flew Singapore... What was it? I went from Pittsburgh to JFK to Singapore to Bangalore. And Singapore's like actually further, and I actually came back. But And then on the way back, I went Bangalore to Frank... Oh, no... 
No, it was Pittsburgh, JFK, Frankfurt, Singapore, Bangalore. Wow. Yeah, I think it's further away technically than Japan is, but the flight I flown was longer. Yeah. I mean, the, it, the was, it was 15 hours going there, 13 hours going back because it's against the Earth's rotation as, mm-hmm. you're, as you're going. And on the way Japan. back, I went Bangalore, Frankfurt, Dulles, <sighs> Pittsburgh. At that point, I was so numb to spending insane amounts of time in an airplane that the flight back seemed like a cakewalk compared to the flight there. Well, as I mentioned to because uh, Chris at work is our training manager, and he's been traveling to all different places, and he traveled to um, Dubai recently. And there was like a 15-hour flight, and I told him beforehand that you're it, it's going to be fine for the first seven or eight hours, and then around hour nine, you're going to get like... I gotta get off this fucking plane. <laughs> you gotta start to feel that, and you just gotta deal with that, and just you know find something to do, find something to occupy yourself. And those last, that, that the weirdly that middle part is worse than the last couple hours. Even though you're really anticipating those last couple hours, the middle part is the worst. Uh, I, I kind of agree. I would. I would. Well, he said I it would, was exactly like I said. He was like, "You were exactly right." I, I would put my my timing in a little bit different point. Yeah, yeah, it's. At a certain point, you get numb, and then like the last sixty or forty-five percent of the flight seems to fly by. Yeah, but there there is a point where you just get really frustrated. You just get like, and, and I'm like, we'll not saying you to get off the plane, but you just get frustrated. On the way there, I flew Singapore Air, so they gave me socks. They gave me all kinds of. Yeah, that, that's... I, I had a Nintendo. <laughs> I could play in my seat. Uh, you know, it helped. Still, you're still stuck in it in a metal tube. Yeah, and it doesn't matter how what kind of accoutrement you're given. Uh, that's gonna get frustrating unless you're like I don't know unless you have a, a full bed and shit like Air Force One or whatever, <laughs> right? Uh, especially if you're you know stuck in economy and in those little seats, uh, there's it, it. It still feels like a plane no matter what you do. My flight back though, I was I don't know if I was excited to get home or if I was just used to. It seems like I you get used to spending time in an airplane. You adapt. To dealing with I've that bullshit. enough that for sure, yeah, you definitely get adapt. You, I mean, you adapt to traveling in general. But I do notice that the, the last day of travel, like I always, I always appreciate traveling. Cause I don't get to do it that often, but I get to do it often enough that, um, that I, uh, you know, that I, I appreciate the fact that I do travel, but I'm not like overwhelmed by it. But at the same time, it's always that last day because that last day you just want to get home. And you got to go through all the fucking rigmarole. The, on the way there, the rigmarole seems more willing to deal with because you're traveling somewhere. Mm-hmm. It takes right. time. You understand this. On the way back, you just want to fucking get home. <laughs> and any delay feels super frustrating. Yeah. So on my way back, I had a couple things going for me. I flew Lufthansa on the way back, so free beer. That helped. Sure. And... I got super lucky with like timing my sleep cycles. When I landed in Pittsburgh, I hit the ground running. I didn't sleep. I didn't need to sleep for like, you know. See, the way I got around hours, in like, Japan like was... eight, eight or ten hours after I landed. So like, when I landed, and I I didn't have any kind of preparation. I just got super lucky. Mm. But like on the way back, you know, flying from Bangalore to Frankfurt to Dallas. I slept when I thought I needed to sleep and woke when I slept when you wake. 
Heather picked me up at the airport and we went out. You know, I, I didn't fall asleep till like 10 o'clock at night. I was like, perfect. That's to me is like the, the key, I think, because <coughs> the key to not having jet lag. When I was in, uh, when I went to Japan, and keep in mind though, I was in my late 20s or very early 30s uh, when I went to Japan. So it was different, it was a different body. <laughs> uh, but when I stayed up, I mean, I think it did, like, little cat naps on the plane of a couple hours. But then when I got into Japan, I got into Japan roughly around noon or so. And I stayed up till around 9 or 10 o'clock and then went to sleep. And that, I mean, for the most part, got rid of jet lag. Because I was wo- awoke and ready the next day. You just got to power through those, like, hours. You got to get the... And you'll get a, a tired period, but you just get your second wind. Mm-hmm. You know, get a little blood sugar in you and, and, and push through that. And you'll be able to, at least I was. Uh, I don't know if, I, like I said, I, I'm, you know, uh, 40 and a half now. So, I mean, right. I don't know if I'll be able to do that the same way. Yeah, I, you know, it was just like, I was kind of surprised. Like, oh, wow, I nailed that return. Like, yeah. I, boom, right back on Eastern Standard Time. Like, piece of cake. It It, it is a matter of just sort of staying up. To the point where you should go to sleep. I assume that's a problem if you land at like one in the morning. <laughs> it's, it's harder to, to do. Yeah, that. I mean, I got back to Pittsburgh at like probably three o'clock. Well, let's say you land at five in the morning and you're wide awake. Then you got a problem. Yeah. Or even if you sleep, then you have a problem. So you got to kind of align your align your clock with the clock that's there as best you can that first night and that'll help mm-hmm. I don't think it'll solve every jet lag issue but think about how it was when <coughs> excuse me now you couldn't travel you know, as far as we can in a day I mean, we can travel around the world in a day to any point in the world you can travel in less than a day now mm-hmm. but I suppose not in Antarctica we'll still take time but any civilized point in the world. A place with regular routes. Right. You can travel in less than a day. So most of the... Most You're not chartering flights. Yes. yes. So, so so most of the world, at least you know, any, any, any major population center for sure. Sure. Before we had time zones, before even like time was super defined, you mm-hmm. couldn't really travel too far in a day. So I don't well, know I mean, how that would have like cause there were there were towns in different times from different like, you know from each other. There was not standardized time until mm-hmm. sometime in in I think the well when the railroads the, started getting that's when it started. But in, but like a real standardized accepted standardized time was I believe in the in the twentieth century. Uh, late 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 nineteenth. Late nineteenth is when it when the idea came about, but in terms of when it became like a. No, sh- I, 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 yeah. I mean, it, it's how far can you <clears throat> travel in a day? Mm-hmm. Now, you know, in before modern times, that record is probably on the ocean with a good gust, right? Probably. Yeah. And even then, you're not landing in a population center, right? Right away, and you're not traveling like across. You're not traveling from New York to Chicago, for example. Right, you're you're going from you're going London from coast to, to coast, and for the and, and 
coast to coast in general will either be on the same continent and roughly the same time zone or will take days anyway and so you're not really concerned about right so I mean the railroads is what brought this upon right and then that's you know it's it's well you know time's a funny thing and the human experience really defines how time needs to be defined I mean you appreciate this yes you know who needs to define time to the vibration of a CDC, madam, until you're trying to measure atomic phenomenon? And really, what are you measuring? Are you measuring time? No, you're measuring change. And time is more of an esoteric concept, more of a philosophical concept. Because there's nothing you can measure about time. You can measure things like length, right? You can measure... Because you can measure well, that's kind of the thing, like, you know, when they standardize... Measure duration in terms of something else. Well, well right. But so is length, I suppose. There is... So there's the macroscopic measurement of things, which right. is easy. Because there's so much... More familiar. Fu- there's so much fuzzy area. But you don't have to be... You don't get your precision into the point where reality starts to fall apart. <laughs> you know, you don't get it into well, the, the quantum realm. Well, the thing is that you, you do in a relativistic sense, in, in, in the sense that when, but, you travel, but, when you travel at high speeds, because really where, where time measurement, where the reason why atomic clocks were important was because we realized relativity started to really play a role in our increasing precision of measurement. However, it should be noted that in addition to time being stretched or deformed by movement, so is space. And that's not typically considered. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so think about, okay, let's (laughs) define an inch way back in the day. It's about the length of this knuckle bone, right? The second knuckle bone. Start there. That's an inch. Of your, of your forefinger. Right. So that's an inch. And then someone wants a better inch. But we so, wanted to increase precision. Right. Because we, we were producing things that needed... that. that, that I mean, really, it, it, it's part of the issue was the need for interchangeable parts. Right. right. The, the, the need but, for... So, I mean, specific... it's pretty easy for most people to imagine the length of people's knuckle bones... Than an inch within a millimeter. You can stamp out a piece of metal or you can carve a piece mm-hmm. of wood to be an inch within a millimeter. That, see, the weird thing is you're switching. Well, but because it's the scale of the thing. There's, well, there's tolerances. Oh, okay. There's so, tolerances. okay, so I could say a sixteenth of an inch. Mm-hmm. Or I could say a millimeter. Millimeter is less syllables, so I said millimeter. Sure, I understand, but... but... There, yeah, there, there are tolerances right. in what you're building. So when you get and less you than more and more precise when you things, get, when you that, get down to a thirty second of an inch, well, from, as, well, as you're building more and more precise things, that tolerance starts to play a role. You oh, find, no, that, I'm with you, I'm with yeah, you, but yeah. you know, in primitive human or actually child, you know, even today, child human stuff, right? 
if I showed Max two things that were an eighth of an inch off, he would pick which one was smaller. If I showed yes. him a thing that was less than a sixteenth of an inch off, he would say they're the same size. Most likely. Yes, but there have been studies, you know those illusions where they they show a, a line with the oh, arrows coming sure, off, sure. arrows going in. And well, I'm not talking about smaller. illusions, I'm well, just talking about... The the, no, the interesting thing is that different cultures, some cultures see that illusion huh. as smaller and some cultures don't. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm saying, you know, give him two slugs of metal that are an eighth of an inch apart... He will easily say which one is different. If they're a thirty, because he's, like because he's been trained versus in, in culturally to understand the difference between the lengths of things. Right, but if there to 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 recognize, but if there is only a thirty second of an inch or a millimeter of an inch difference. That, that that's would, beyond he, his perceptual boundary. Right. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're defining but the, an inch. But, but remember that these. "Quote unquote five senses." There are more, but these quote unquote, these five senses we have as as humans are very imprecise. Oh, I get that. But I'm, I'm tr- the point I've been trying to make here. Please give me one second to just say a few things. At one point, this was good enough for an inch, and no one needed better a better inch. The the your knuckle bone, right? Mm-hmm. And then because of mass production, interchangeable parts, whatever it was, needed a better inch. And then, you know, at that point, it's a quote-unquote arms race of the best inch. You know, I mean, even if it was just academic in nature, people were trying to define the best inch. I want to correct a little bit of that. <coughs> in the sense that, well, I, I agree there was an arms race, but the arms race wasn't in, like, what was the best inch mechanically, but more what was the best inch subjectively in terms of what was accepted. And it turned out that the, sort of the French measurements were the most accepted the most widely used as that's why like the meter is still defined uh that that's a good question right so you have this inch that is roughly the size of your knuckle knuckle bone mm-hmm. second second bone on your finger and the inch has never really been defined in greater resolution than that well it has it's 2.54 centimeters no 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 i'm saying at a certain point okay, in history yeah. right you have 14 rods to the hogshead type shit. Right? Well, see, so the, the thing is that... So how did the inch actually... Well, because what happens... Resolve itself down to something so specific? Well, because what happens is various people define the inch in different ways. And whatever way becomes the most accepted, whichever way becomes the most widely used becomes the most accepted one, and that turns into the uh, the accepted one, and then you really don't question it. And it's just sort of a popularity so, contest. So, in some so, sense. oh, right, right. So I'm like, oh, an inch is one and a quarter average acorns, mm-hmm. and you're saying an inch is a walnut. Yeah, and and, and whoever, <laughs> and it doesn't matter which one is quote unquote better. It just matters which one is more accepted by mm-hmm. the, the 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 larger amount of people in terms of or, or the larger consciousness. And until there is something that shows that that particular definition is incorrect or has some issue i mean this is fascinating i I would love to like delve into the i'd love to see a documentary about the resolution of the inch and like what aspect shaped it Mm -hmm. what shaped the inch what shaped i mean the millimeters millimeters easy right the the centimeter is the circumference of the earth what shaped the meter 
It's the size of the Earth. Is it? Yeah. I thought it. Was, I thought the meter was originally has to do with with, with like the, the, no. the French foot. No, like the was, French king's foot or something. My understanding is that the meter is a fraction of the circumference of the Earth. But that doesn't seem right because the circumference of the Earth wasn't really very precisely known until particularly recently. Look it up. I mean, that's that's my understanding. The a, a every meter... time you ask me to look up, I just want you to know that every time you ask me to look up something, that means I'm going to be sort of distracted. No, no that's fine. But that's fine. I mean, I, I want to be proven wrong here. But my understanding is they they split the meter. You know, so the circumference of the Earth is split into degrees. They split degrees into whatevers, which they split into kilometers, which they split into meters. Okay, the meter was originally defined in 1793 as one ten millionth of the distance from the equator to the North Pole. Okay, not the scumpers, yeah. but that. In 1799, it was redefined in terms of a prototype. This is 1799. So, uh, almost the, the, uh, the 19th century. Um, it was redefined in terms of a prototype meter bar. The actual bar used was changed in 1889. Is, is it based on the same measurement of the Earth? Or? In 1960, the meter was redefined in terms of a certain number of wavelengths of a certain emission. Of right, but, but the meter bar. What was the meter bar based on? It wasn't just like the size of some guy's cock, right? It was the it was one one millionth of the 90 degrees from the equator to the North Pole, right? Okay, so there's a whole thing about the meridional. In the 18th century, there were two approaches to the definition of the standard unit of length. One favored Wilkins approach to find the meter in terms of the length of a pendulum, which produced a half period of one second. I like that. The other approach was to define the meter as one ten millionth of the length of a quadrant along the Earth's meridian, that is, distance from the equator to the North Pole. This means the quadrant, a section distance of one quarter of the Earth's circumference, would have been defined as exactly ten million meters. Ten thousand kilometers at the time with a total circumference of the earth as defined as 40 million meters or 40,000 kilometers kilometers okay. kilometers so i i missed circumference yeah. well, well i i, mean, I, I guess right. it's meridians ter- it's still well, defined in terms of circumference well, well meridian but, circumference is yeah. different than longitudinal but that, that assumes a sphere right which is not yeah. the case of the earth which is not a sphere right in 1791 the french academy of sciences selected the meridional definition over the pendulum definition because of the force of gravity varies slightly over the surface of the earth which affects the period of a pendulum again this is not accounting for the fact that the earth is not like spheroid so that that changes <laughs> right. it. yeah uh to establish a universally accepted foundation for the definition of the meter more accurate definitions of meridian were needed the french academy science commission expedition uh attempt to have blah, blah, blah. this portion of the meridian seemed to be the same length the paris meridian was to serve as basis the problem with this approach is the exact shape of the earth is not a simple mathematical shape such as a sphere or a spheroid at the level of precision required defining a standard of length so so i got two things i want to talk about right here mm-hmm. so you're resolving greater resolution of the meter right how is the decision made whether it's 0.4 or 0.5 things, right? Like, like you're trying to... I, that's just cultural. Yeah. Really, it's just what... I mean, like, what you said, the inches is, you know, th- this knuckle bone, the second knuckle bone. Mm-hmm. What is the majority of people's knuckle bone in terms of... What, what is the majority decision of what is designed as inch? What can we define as a, uh, as a basis of measurement that very closely measures? It's just like the definition of a second. 
Mm-hmm. Right? The uh, the SI definition of a second. Let me get the exact number here. But the FI definition, the SI, which is the uh, Standards Institute or the International System of Units, which is known as SI in French. Uh, definition of a second is where is the distance that light travels in a vacuum in blah 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 blah. No, no. The definition of a second. According to the uh, standard... Oh, that, uh, oh se- yeah, seconds. I was thinking meter. Yeah. Second is vibrations of a cesium. The duration right? of 9,192,631,770 periods of the radiation corresponding to the transition between two hyperfine levels of a ground state of the cesium-133 atom. Right. So, this but, is but, essentially but, uh, the vibe... This is the electromagnetic radiation in terms of hertz... That cycles per second, which is this nine point one billion right. that re- that is received off of a cesium atom. Cesium vibrates faster than a lot of things, so they fix cesium. They they fix cesium because the ability to very precisely control it right. and the uh, and the abundance of it. Right, there are other things they could use, but the relative abundance of cesium and the it, it, and the, it, and the, the the combination of the relative abundance versus the ability to measure it and all this other stuff contribute to the fact that use cesium. Yeah. Okay. There are there are proposals for using light clocks where cesium would where they would use actually a a, a light distance. Um, but then how do you measure the distance? You know, it, when you start getting down to that kind of Fidelity mm-hmm. resolution in your measurements. That's where stuff gets crazy. Well, because you always, because the, the thing about nature, so far as we can tell, is that the speed of light is always the same. Sure, so sure. if you can, regardless of what speed you're at, if you can measure some distance that that speed has traveled in some specific time, whatever your frame of reference, that will be a second. So a light clock, so. The cesium clock requires that to be a cesium in your frame reference. The light clock would only require you to have a light source and a sensor in your frame of reference. And so th- mm. th- that's the difference. It's, 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 yeah, the, the one invariant is the speed of light, so you use that. And that's yeah. why they're trying. there is an effort to define all of these fundamental... Oh, well, for example, is a kilogram, right? They... Every me- SI measurement, except for mass, is defined in a algorithmic way. It, it's defined in terms of some fundamental constant. Right. But the kilogram is still defined based on an artifact. Yes. Which was a platinum iridium yeah. cylinder that was cast back in the 18-somethings. Because and... platinum iridium wouldn't outcast as much. And there's, you know, but... Yeah. There is some outgassing. There is some, you know, decay of, of thermalization of some material, right. which is funny because as that material process happens, then the, the definition of the kilogram changes. Yes, yeah, which is like, like, well, why can't we well, correct mean, for that? Th- there are, I mean, the question there, is, there are things that are made. There are like versions of the kilogram that are made to to be exactly the same as the kilogram reference ones that then you know. Uh, kept in very good conditions and kept and way so so you could compare them both and see what the difference is and and, and you know or compare multiples of them and see if, and, and average out them. I mean that's the one thing that's I appreciate the science, but the one thing that's always confused me as yes we 
we're predicting that this artifact is changing, mm-hmm. which means that the kilogram is changing. Right. Well, can't we correct for that? You know, that was the question and, I've always and, had. And yeah, there is a... Let me see what, what exactly it is, because I think there is an attempt to define it in terms of the... They're trying to... Well, I think they're trying to actually measure a kilogram by accurately counting the number of atoms in a thing. So a kilogram will hopefully soon be defined by X atoms of element. At the 2011 print meeting, the seat, the um, general, <coughs> excuse me, general conference on waste and measures or the CGPM, um, was uh, ingredient principle to define the, the kilogram should be redefined in terms of the Planck constant. Uh, it's been deferred since the 2014 meeting. There's several proposals for the redefinition. Uh, and one of the proposed definitions is... Oh, so while you're reading, one of the definitions I remember is these guys are trying to make like the most perfect sphere ever, right? Because then if you have a perfectly spherical object... Well, there's no such thing as a perfect sphere. Well... I'm using a yeah, little. I'm using a little bit of hyperbole in here, but they're trying to make a sphere that is spherical enough that it can be based on the radius. Right, a kilogram is a radius of x of a sphere of whatever platinum meridium or whatever. And if you can measure, if you can make sure your sphere is spherical enough, and you can measure the radius enough, then you have a kilogram of stuff. But making that sphere is tough. One of the things I've read about it is, you know, something that is so spherical as that is, it's kind of disconcerting because, like, you can't tell if it's spinning or not. Like, even if you're, like, holding it, like, it might be moving in your hand because it's so smooth. It's so slippery, right? So the proposed definition is the kilogram symbol kg. Is the SI unit of mass. It is defined by taking the fixed numerical value of the Planck constant H to be 6.626070040 times 10 to the negative 34 when expressed in the unit joules per second, which is equal to kilograms times meters squared times second to negative one, where the meter and the second are defined in terms of C and delta VCS. What? Yeah. You lost me like 16 Yeah, I lost myself. And what the fuck is that talking about? So, I mean, the joule is, is defined in terms of... Um, so the joule is... Kilograms times meters squared over seconds squared. <laughs> it's a lot easier for a person to understand that. I gotta go to the bathroom. Well, we can wrap this up. Yeah. You wanna wrap this up? Yeah, I gotta go. We gotta go. All right. it's, it's, it's... Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Kilograms. Kilograms. Kilograms.